Hey, this is Women's Soccer Spotlight, a podcast featuring the stories of women playing, coaching, and working in soccer. I'm your host, Sam Weber, and the goal of this show is to contribute to the ongoing dialogue about gender bias by highlighting inspirational stories of those who have forged careers in women's soccer and exposing unbelievable moments of discrimination. This week's episode features Stanford alum and MLS Partnership Marketing Manager, Shira Averbush. about just growing up when you started playing soccer um obviously you are yeah Liverbush's sister uh that's my only name these days yeah <laughs> I want to get more of your story than just hers we've already interviewed Love her it. so but yeah tell yeah. me just about growing up a little bit when you started playing soccer sure um yeah what about your story okay um so I started playing soccer when I was four obviously just for fun. Um, my sister was, is three years older than me, so she was seven. And she met a friend who uh, brought her to a, a soccer practice. And from there, I kind of just followed what she did. Um, so I started playing in the little league in my town when I was four um, and five and six and seven. And obviously got a little bit more serious, um, you know, played on the travel team, which was a big deal when I was Ooh. like eight or nine, the select teams, and it laddered up from there. And, you know, the more the more I was around it, the more comfortable I felt all my friends played. I was on the same team with some of the same girls for a number of years, and it just kind of became my life. Yeah. How was the competition at home between you and Yael? <laughs> well, so Yael is probably the most serious person I've ever met about whatever she decides <laughs> she wants to be serious about. I agree with that. I agree with yeah, that. Yeah. She's very focused. So she focused on soccer, and that was it. So it was never really the thought that, you know, I was going to overtake her, but there were a couple things that I could beat her at and she would go nuts. (laughs) And even still to this day, for whatever reason, and I don't train at all, really, I play a couple times a week maybe now, Mm -hmm. um, but for whatever reason, given the amount she trains, I can still beat her at soccer tennis. That's the Are you serious? Yeah. (laughs) So we'll go out and play soccer tennis and I won't have really juggled a ball for like a month maybe uh-huh. and she will go nuts because I'll beat her somehow it's it's mostly like the mental game of it yep <laughs> um, just because she puts a lot of pressure on herself um so it's the only thing I can beat her at that's but, so funny um, yeah growing up though she was really just like my coach and so yeah. we would go out together after school we would kick the ball against the wall she would give me like training sessions to do and um it was always fun because three years is enough difference that you don't really feel like you're super competitive yeah. against each other um, it's it was more of a like a mentee mentor kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you feel like you developed more of a competitive spirit from just being around her? Uh, oh yeah, most definitely. I think I'm competitive to begin with across everything I do. So yeah. in school, I wanted to get the best grades. Um, even with stupid little things like at lunchtime, I remember, or at re- recess, not even a sport, but just like anything I did, I, I wanted to win, yep. but Yael really drew that out of me in terms of soccer because it was like the one thing she was really focused on. So it translated into the thing that I was super competitive about as well. Yeah. It's so nice to have an older sibling kind of paving the way and especially in a sport like soccer, um, mm-hmm. just across the board, like with different teammates that I've had over the years. Uh, it's interesting to see, like, if you're the first person in your family to play competitive soccer, mm-hmm. how far you go versus someone that's had an older sibling, or right. that other teammate that had an older sibling that had already gone through this. Like, often those parents are kind of leading the way for the whole team. Uh, That's true, yeah. And, it's and, in, and I think it's interesting to have a, uh, an older sibling like that today, especially even more so than when we grew up, just because it's so confusing to figure out the club soccer system um, and how everything works today, just because there's so many different right. it's changed. Yeah, yeah, it's changed so much. 
Right. It's changed so much even since we were younger. So I honestly don't even know what it looks like right now. Um, but I think having the older sibling, not only to pave the way, but also because whenever you're playing with your older sibling, you're playing up. So yeah. you're out of your comfort zone and that will make you better every single time. Yeah. So same way that my sister and I often played with boys or, you know, played up a number of years. I think that that was really key to our development and key to mine having played with her. Just the fact that I never was comfortable. I was always pushing myself because I was the youngest. Uh, I was 14 and everyone else was 17. Yeah. Things like that, I think really were the difference maker for me when I was in uh, middle school and, and high school. Yeah. Well, and then speaking of kind of being in high school and then uh, going into college and everything. So you ended up going to Stanford. Yale ended up mm-hmm. going to UNC. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've heard this story from you guys in the past, <laughs> but tell me a little bit about the one time you got to play each other in college. Uh, okay. So uh, given our three years difference, she was a senior when I was a freshman. So taking it back a step, she when she was in college and I was looking at schools, she really wanted me to go to UNC. She really wanted me to play on her team. <laughs> um, so I did the necessary kind of like talk to the coach like once or twice, but I knew that it really wasn't right for me. Uh-huh. Um, so I ended up deciding to go to Stanford and then, and, and UNC and Stanford had never played each other, not in the same conference across the separate coasts, <laughs> but, but somehow my freshman year and her senior year, we had a preseason game. It was at Stanford. And I think it was on, it was like September, seventh or something like the date was nine seven uh-huh. and for that entire summer leading up like even six months before my sister had this date in her head and we'd go out and train and we'd go out and run and she was helping me prepare for my first yep. college preseason and she'd be yelling nine seven nine seven <laughs> um so there was so much leading up to this this one game and my actually my mom's family is from san francisco so we had some people there from the family we had you know my parents came in so we had the whole group and uh, the running joke was like they were going to take two jerseys, the Stanford and the UNC jersey, and cut it in half and sew it together. I was going to so say, could be what did your parents wear to this game? Do they like divide and conquer? Say, yeah, I don't, I don't remember what they did. Maybe it was like a T-shirt of one school and a sweatshirt of another. Yep. Um, or just neutral, maybe. That would have been the best way to go. And, and it sounds like you probably, you probably didn't care quite as much. <laughs> well, I hadn't built it up as much. I was really just a freshman trying to figure out, like, what does it mean to play college yep. soccer like at all yeah and because of that um and new new to the team freshman I actually didn't get to play in the game which was really tragic yeah. but I was so hyped up for it and all my teammates knew they yep. like understood it um so I was on the sideline but I was like pacing on the sideline the entire <laughs> game and like yelling and everything uh we ended up tying and going into overtime as they do in college soccer yep but um no one scored in overtime so it ended as a tie perfect and for I the just family. remember yeah yeah right it was better that way I guess Um, but I just remember, so like when you don't play in a game in college afterwards, you like go and do some running to stay fit and stay, um, on level with the other players. So I had, instead of like going off to see my family and, and shake hands and all that stuff, I had gone to the other field, the practice field next to our field Mm. and had started like doing, running some sprints and yeah, Al came over and sat with me there. And it was just like a really special moment it was different than I expected because obviously I wanted to have played and I wanted to be been able to compete with her on the field because that's really what your, all your training leads up yeah. to playing in the game. And I wasn't able to do that, but I still had her there supporting me and my family there for after. Um, so it was kind of different than either of us expected, but really special anyway. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's so cool to, to get to play against uh, a sibling for sure. I think it's, yeah. it's always special when you even get to play against like friends 
um, mm-hmm. college teams, but you add the family component into it, and yeah. that's definitely a really cool memory. And Yale ended up winning the national championship later that year, right? She did. So my team made it to the semifinals. Uh, so we were together at the Final Four. Uh, we lost in the semis, I think it was to Notre Dame. And then I, my team flew back to Stanford, and I actually asked the coach if I could stay to watch Yale's final game. Yeah. And that was her senior year, and it's the second national championship she won. And I just remember I was sitting in the stands having just – been a part of this experience but having been knocked out which was a weird feeling but still rooting for her team and they won and then I you know went out and celebrated with them after and I was wearing a UNC shirt which is like so taboo for me (laughs) at that that point Um, but it's all in sisterly love right it's it's your family of course you want them to succeed you want them to win so it was great to be able to watch that moment for her yeah definitely um so just talking a little bit about your Stanford experience um Mm -hmm. you ended up not playing your senior year yeah. Um, what went into that decision, um, leading, leading into that? Yeah. Um, so it sounds a little cliche, but I honestly think it was one of the hardest decisions I've ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, so I obviously was very serious about soccer. It was most of my life and I came in, didn't get to play much freshman year. Sophomore year was even more challenging, um, like not traveling to away games, things like that. And I was pouring so much of myself into it, um, and just not seeing the rewards that I really wanted. Um, so it was it was pretty frustrating for me. Going into my junior year, I thought, okay, just keep trying, keep working. These were my teammates and my best friends. I didn't think I was ever going to quit. Yep. But um, it just became something that it wasn't really fun anymore, and it was more of a struggle than it was the joy that I, that I naturally have around soccer. Mm-hmm. So I remember there was a moment when I was near my dorm, and I was like walking um, out to practice, um, like on my way to practice, and I remember this exact moment when I realized – why why not quit like why am I still doing this there are so many other ways to love soccer and be a part of soccer and still be part of my team and I don't have to feel this horrible yeah um so at that moment I just decided I actually then our season ended my junior year and I went abroad for the winter quarter because we have a quarter system we're able to go abroad which is really fantastic so two and a half months I spent in Madrid I was playing pick up with these guys who spoke Spanish and kind of like feeling the love for soccer and realizing yet again that it didn't need to be the structured college soccer, that I could enjoy it in any other way, in every other way. Um, so I came back from that abroad experience and I told my coaches, it was really emotional for me. Um, mm. I was sweating the entire time I was sitting <laughs> in the office to tell them. Um, but then from there, I mean, I had this senior year where I could play soccer. I played with the men's club team. So I got nice. to train at a high level. I got to play pickup all the time. I lived with all of my teammates. So I got to see their season and yeah. experience it with them. And I never lost any of that soccer in my life. It just looked very different. And at the same time, I got to experience Stanford and take classes and do things that I never would have been able to with my with my schedule. Yeah. Um, so that was really beneficial and actually helped me transition into the career and the, the job I got after college. And Move on, moving on from there because I hadn't really thought about the fact that yeah you have to you have to figure out what you want to do yep. after you finish school and it's not going to be soccer usually um, so like what do you want to do and I've never really had many internships so I got to have an internship in our athletic department yeah. so I stayed very connected to the sports and the team and soccer obviously but just in a different way and while it was one of the hardest decisions I've ever made I think it was one of the most important. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I feel like you you had the opportunity to to separate out the difference between playing soccer at that competitive level and always trying to get better and better and better and better and, you know, make that starting lineup and everything. And separate that out from just the love of the game, which sometimes can get lost um, yeah. when doing that. 
Um, and like you said, it led into like what you're doing now, which is working for the MLS. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's like the coolest story to be able to tell people is showing them, showing them examples of you can still be part of this game and love it and make this a huge piece of your life um, mm-hmm. without just kind of going down that path of after college, I either have to coach or I have to try to play co- professionally, that uh, there are so many other options out there to, to still stay engaged in the game. Yeah, there are. There are a ton of options in business, in all different types of business, and so many ways to get involved. And the one thing I will say about the idea of quitting to me, I don't like the word qu- yeah. quitter, but it, it was never losing the competitive drive. It was never the fact that, I mean, yes, it's playing soccer for fun, but it's not that I became less competitive, I think. It was that you just transform that competitive drive into something else, into something that makes you more happy on a daily basis. So now I get to talk about soccer. I get to think about soccer from a macro perspective, how to grow soccer in North America, which is ultimately our goal at MLS. Um, And I get to do that in a really creative, unique way from a business perspective. And so for me, I'll go out to the field and I'll kick the ball around and I'll feel the competitive drive there. And then I'll go into the office and I'll sit down, you know, in like my pencil skirt and blouse (laughs) and like get to feel it that way too and share it with a lot of people who don't necessarily have that background. So that's what I find really fun these days is having like these, this dual kind of these two components of soccer in my life. Yeah, definitely. I think that's how I feel too, is, uh, with, you know, working in a soccer startup and everything and bringing Mm -hmm. that business mind into the game and figuring out how can you improve this and make an impact. Um, it's so fun for me to, to still find opportunities to play. So when I get really stressed out at work, Mm -hmm. I like go play soccer and I just like, just I don't know um, that's awesome yeah get to re-experience that and just re-engage with that love for the game which is ultimately uh-huh. what makes me more and more excited to go like do my other work just because um, yeah it's it also part of the game you. yeah definitely I can tell like it fuels you and you go back and and start working again and you're excited by it yeah definitely and it's it's been cool too to see like other opportunities open up uh within the game so like working with your sister um on Tecna um, and her soccer startup and everything too. Um, mm-hmm. it's been really cool. I just got to do, um, I got to go up to Granite Bay, California and help Abby Wambuck and Shannon Box and Christy Rampone with their first, uh, full pitch soccer camp earlier this week. Um, oh, wow, and awesome. it's just like these opportunities kind of keep falling in my lap now that you, yeah. that I've stayed engaged with the game and, and doing work in the game. Um, it's cool to see other opportunities kind of open up and, and you get to expand. Um, yeah, just the different experiences that you get, get as well. Um, but yeah, so tell me a little bit just about your job at the MLS. So what are specifically some of the things that you're doing? Um, how'd you get the job too? I think probably a lot of people would be interested like, okay, how do you go from being a college yeah. soccer player at Stanford who doesn't end up playing their senior year, goes abroad, comes back and now you live in New York and you work for the MLS. Mm-hmm. How'd that happen? Well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't actually as straight of a path as it, it sounds. Um, I actually... Uh, my senior year was trying to figure out what do I want to do. And I was really involved in my major at school, which is psychology. And mm-hmm. I was teaching, I was a teaching assistant. And so I actually left school and I worked in publishing, which is totally right. different from what I do now. Um, so I worked in academic publishing for a little over a year, but kind of some of the time in, I realized, you know, this isn't really the career I want. I want to go back into sports. I want to work in soccer. So at that point, it's actually pretty 
challenging at times to transition careers completely, even at an early stage. So yeah. what I did was I literally reached out to everyone I knew who worked in the industry, and I just started talking, asking questions. What does your job mean? What do you do? Uh, what opportunities are there? What would you recommend I research? And um, I applied for a number of jobs. MLS was always like at the top of what I wanted to do, yeah. but I knew that they were minimal positions, so I had to kind of reach broader. Um, eventually, I had talked to enough people that maybe like five six, seven people at MLS had already had my resume hmm. and the position that I received opened up. And so I, you know, went in, talked to a number of people and was fortunate enough that my now manager took the risk on me, given that I didn't have a ton of experience yeah. and hired me as a coordinator. And yeah. since then, it's been about two and a half years and I am now a manager, which is Woo really fun. Yeah. Um, so, and now I have a coordinator who works below me. So it's kind of a, that's been a fun process. Um, but my specific role is in partnership marketing, which is sponsorship. So um, it's basically managing the relationships with our corporate partners and helping them build their marketing around the league. Um, yeah. And the other cool part about I am is Major League Soccer has a commercial arm called Soccer United Marketing. And we do the commercial business for the U.S. men's and women's national teams and the Mexican national team and most recently Copa America. Yeah. So I've gotten to work on U.S. soccer. And through that, I've gotten to work with my sister on something, with some of my former teammates on various appearances, photo shoots through yeah. our partners. And it's kind of like providing them experience, experiences too and sponsorships and kind of like all these other business benefits um yeah. and i know them so that's that's really fun so i can speak to their personalities and i can you know talk about how they are in front of a camera and all these cool additional components because i actually know them yeah which is awesome too and it's giving you an opportunity to also kind of give back and help grow the women's side of the game as well mm. um especially having played with some of those women and then having a sister who's still playing professional soccer yeah. too um, how important is that to you, just helping kind of grow the women's side of the game? Yeah, that's actually a big goal of mine. And it's something that I spoke about when I originally interviewed for MLS um, because it, it was important for me to differentiate myself and to do that. And it, it's not that it's invalid just to use it to differentiate yourself. It, it still is very true to who I am is that watching my former teammates, my sister kind of trying, holding on, grasping on to this women's professional league that's in its third iteration. It's doing well now, but I still think there's so much growth that can happen. And I recognize where there are missing pieces, where there are more resources that could be added, where just like the things I've learned from MLS, and, and we're only a 20-year league, but from the men's side, the things I've learned, I would love to one day bring those to the women's side mm -hmm. and really try to make it a solid, stable situation for all these players. And that's from the league and the team side, but it's also from the personal side. How can I think of ways to help them figure out their career, whether that's you know further coaching education or yeah. um, you know more sponsorship deals that will help them get you know not only more money in their pockets but just like more visibility because people should know who these players are they're amazing athletes they're going to world cups and winning they're you know getting gold medals like people should know who they are and so i i hope I, ultimately one day like i can figure out a job that allows me to work on the women's side more too yeah from a brand perspective like i've read a couple articles where people just kind of talk about how you know more more businesses should be trying to engage with some of these uh, professional female players just because like they're winners. Like Americans love winners, and yeah. they've won the World Cup, they've won the Olympics so many times. Um, from your perspective, like why is there still a little bit of a disconnect of um, 
more people not necessarily engaging and having those people represent these players represent their their brands it's come a long way but what do you think there there could be done more well I think that's a good question and I think a lot of it has to do with brands who just go with the name that is most recognizable Mm -hmm. or the player that they've you know, seen. So obviously Carly Lloyd and um, Alex Morgan and Abby Wambach are doing incredibly well for themselves these days because they were the MVPs, they were the leading goal scorers. But the thing about the other players that I hope brands can start to see more is that they are incredibly well educated. So they speak well, they present themselves well. They're never going to, you know, have a mess up tweet or like (laughs) do something unprofessional. They're really professional and they're really authentic. Yeah. And the number of young people who play soccer right now who, um, and, and their parents too. So depending on the brand and who the brand's trying to sell to, if you think about the number of youth players and their parents and the authentic stories that they can connect to. Um, I mean, I go to games now of my sisters, like I went to her game yesterday and I was going to scan my ticket, you know, just doing my thing. This girl behind me says, Oh my God, are you Ella Averbridge's sister? Like I've seen you on Twitter or whatever yeah. it was and I just kind of asked like oh how do you know her she had trained with her there there is this impact that these players and mm-hmm. these women female athletes are making on these young kids that people don't really know until they see see firsthand so yeah. I think that there's so much that can be opened up there whether it's through clinics through speaking engagements just through these women telling their stories because they're incredible athletes and just like really great people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a lot to tap into there. And it's just a matter of brands understanding that and taking a risk sometimes because you'll see now just from the marketing perspective, because this is kind of what I do, mm-hmm. um, marketing is changing in a lot of ways. It's more organic. It's more authentic. It's more content driven. Yeah. And there's so much content here. These are the things that I'm seeing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I 100% agree, especially in the last, uh, I'd say year and a half or so, I've gotten to know a lot more of some of these professional female players. And Mm -hmm. just when you get to know them as people, um, I mean, they are just, they're obviously incredible athletes, but they're incredible role models and authentic Mm -hmm. role models too. I think Um, I went up and stayed with Shannon Box in February for a couple of days and we shot some marketing videos and I drove from San Francisco to Portland. It was like 10 hours. I was so nervous the whole time. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to meet Shannon Fox. She's like on my wall since 2000 in my childhood bedroom. And uh, it was like really exciting, but also really terrifying because I was like, oh man, I'm about to meet this person that I have like looked up to my entire Mm -hmm. life. And you often wonder if these people's public persona is the same as who they actually are. Um, and mm-hmm. I was afraid that there would be a mismatch just because I hadn't met anyone like that before. Um, mm-hmm. And it was incredible to spend three days with her. And then I just spent another couple of days with her this week. Um, and just she is she is exactly who you think she is. Um, she is just an incredibly hardworking, humble um, person who, yeah, has been extremely successful, but never lost sight of who she is. Um, and to see those role models like actually yeah, be that authentic person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really inspiring. And, and I, I think they are incredible um, brand ambassadors. And I ho- really hope more businesses kind of see that and do yeah. take more risks on, especially some of the, the unknown players, like even in the NWSL, um, man, they are inspiring people just for the sacrifices that they make to still mm-hmm. continue to play at that level. Um, yeah. You have to be a certain kind of person to be able to continue to do that. Um, and yeah, I, I'm Most excited to see yeah. how the game grows as well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for uh, coming on and sharing your story. Yeah, and thanks for having me. The work that you're doing at the MLS, it's, it's awesome. Mm-hmm.